and welcome to the Grit and Grace podcast. This is Tonya Bruton, your host for the show. And we have been celebrating Recovery Month. September is National Recovery Month. So we have been, I've been dedicating my episodes to stories um, that deal with addiction, or alcoholism, um, recovery. So, and how God can set us free from those things. And so today I'm thankful to have my guest on today is Tonya Jarecki with um, Radiant Redemption. So um, just go ahead and introduce yourself, Tonya, and then we'll just get into it. Yeah. So like you said, my name is Tonya Jarecki. I am a recovering alcoholic. I've been sober for almost three years now. Um, and currently, so wife, I've got three kids. I'm writing a blog. I am starting to like want to venture out into recovery coaching. And really my, my, like my passion and my heart is just in helping women to recover from the, like the devastating effects of addiction. And within that more specifically, like shame tied to addiction. For real. Um, yeah, that's a big one. That's what key, I know that's what kept me down. Um, when I was out in it was guilt and shame. It is so toxic. And, um, so that's, that's great. So tell me a little bit, like I was saying before we got on, um, you know, we, we probably share a lot of similarities. So um, I, I have seven kids myself, <laughs> but um, I have three at home right now um, that my youngest one. So a lot of them have grown up and moved out of the home. My youngest ones are a set of triplets. They're 16. So I've got three at home. But um, so congratulations, though, on three years sober. That's awesome. Um so tell me a little bit about how this all got started, uh, how you grew up and how you got into, you know, the situation. So I grew up, both of my parents came from abusive alcoholic homes. And while neither one of them are alcoholics themselves, they're, I mean, they just had their own problems that they were working through. Like there was no real emotional sobriety in my house. Um, and being the middle child, I think just kind of like, there's a feeling of feeling lost in the shuffle because you're not the oldest and you're not the youngest and just kind of feeling not seen and I think for me, I took that as something was wrong with me. And I think very early on internalized this monologue of, I am not lovable in and of myself. And I just acted out of that space where I was looking to everyone else for validation. I tried to like achieve it with academic success, with like people pleasing. And when that didn't work, like I struggled with eating disorders. I went through everything I could to try to numb, to escape, to avoid. And it was when I... Like shortly after I graduated high school, I think I was 17 years old when I tried alcohol for the first time. Um, and the first time I didn't really care about it, but the second time I drank and actually like got a buzz, that was it. It felt like I was at peace in my own body and what I'd been searching for with people pleasing, with, you know, like achievement over here and working hard over there. Finally, it all made sense. Like I felt at peace within myself, I think is really what it was. And it really wasn't peace just it took me out of my head for a little while. Um, and I think from there, just that was it. Something clicked. And I don't know if it was a genetic predisposition, but I was off into the races. And it was like, once I knew that that would help me to feel confident in myself, I turned to it consistently. Yeah, I did this. That sounds so familiar. Um, and I guess, you know, it is a pattern with all of us. Um, I felt the same way when I, I grew up um, in a pretty happy home. But like you say, um, my parents, their parents were alcoholics or addicts or um, like you say, abusive homes. 
Um, my parents though, both did have issues. Now I didn't know my biological father when I was growing up. So, and then, so I have a mother, a stepfather and two sisters. And, um, I felt I don't, I wasn't the middle child. Now this seems weird, but they all were like, um, had dark hair and dark skin. And I, I was really white with red hair and freckles. And I know that's just like a, kind of like a vain thing, but it made me feel different. So, I mean, it wasn't just the outer stuff, but, um, you know, not having my dad, like why didn't, why I could not comprehend why the person who made me didn't want me. And so if the person who made me, the person that I came from, um, didn't want me, then why would anyone else? And so there was this, even though mom, I knew my mother loved me. I knew that she did so much, but that wasn't enough. I still felt that I was either, I was somehow defective or unlovable or different or weird or strange, didn't quite fit in. And uh, like you say, um, I started with drinking, um, but I started way earlier. I was about, I was about 13 in um, junior high. And like you say, once I got that buzz, I felt it's a false sense of peace. You know, you like you say, it's not peace. You think it is really, I like how you put that really, it just gets you out of your head. Um, and from then on, like you, uh, like you say, I, I, I did have, I did have a period when I was younger where I drank a lot, I guess, because that was all that was available that. And like when you were a kid, we did inhalants, spray paint, whatever, um, whatever to not be me. Yes. I mean, I think that's what the the base of most of our addiction is. It's just trying to run away from what we don't understand, what we can't deal with. Like for me, there were like some real big emotional issues I needed to deal with. And I, I don't know, your story just made me laugh because like I have red hair. My whole family is dark brown hair, dark eyes. I'm like the pale freckled redheaded girl. And it's like, where do I, I like literally, where do I fit? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I even had somebody one time at church when I was little, I'll never forget this. And why would someone ask the child this? But they asked me if I was adopted. <laughs> and so, yeah, but you know, and you know, I don't blame my mother at all for this, but like you say, there's, I like how you use the term emotional sobriety because, um, yeah, we needed that as a kid so that, you know, they could see, I guess, what was, you know, what was happening, but they had their own issues, but, you know, so as you got older though, and as you really, things got, how did you get, what happened in between? How did you get from, you started drinking and you liked how it felt and you were off to the races. What did off the races look like for you? So for me, um, most of my late teens and early to mid twenties was blackout drinking. Like almost every time I drank, I blacked out. I had no idea for like my tolerance and I'd be like, I'm fine. I'm the girl who's like down in shots and I'm here one minute. I'm passed out on the floor the next um, because I just, I didn't know how to regulate. And it was like, well, if it feels good, I should just keep going. Um, and it was a lot of like waking up with no memory of where I was, how I got there, you know, where are my friends? I was still like the problem that I was having though is I was still functioning outside of it. Like I was a high performer at work. Um, like everything was still lining up to make it look like I was normal. I was just doing what my friends were doing and I was successful outside of that. So I was, I transitioned into healthcare. So I'm working in healthcare, which there is like a strong, like 
party culture with some of those people in the medical profession, mm. which did not help because it just made it easier to justify what I was doing. Um, but then like, as I hit my mid twenties, so I was dating my, who would become my husband, that, that man at the time. And he got deployed. And while he was deployed, I think like I started learning really well how to lie. Like I was still seeking approval. And then I was starting to get a little bit embarrassed about the fact that I'm blacking out drinking all the time. Um, so I started kind of pulling back and drinking more on my own. And when I would go out in public, trying to moderate what I was doing in front of people, but like, I was the person who everyone would have like a drink or two and they're fine. I'm having a drink or two. And I'm like staring at the bar. Like, can we go get more? Is it okay if I have more? Is anyone who knows that I've had like four when they're only having two and it just continued to spiral. Like I got married. Um, and I, I just decided it wasn't worth actually pursuing anything anymore. I would just lie about everything I was doing. And I don't know when that transition kind of happened. It just did. Like it went from just lying about parts of my day to pretty much lying about everything I was doing. I made up that I was going to school when I wasn't. Um, I was telling everyone that I was going to become a nurse. I wasn't in school. You, you can't be a nurse if you're not going to school, you know, like, and it just went on. Um, and I wasn't blacking out drinking anymore, but I was starting to drink alone more often. Um, I think that I knew I wasn't drinking normally, but I wasn't ready to admit it. So if I just hit it, then it wasn't a problem. Um, and I ended up having three kids. And I think in the process of, of pregnancy, like things started to come to a head for me emotionally, like all of the stuff that I had been running from in my childhood started to kind of bubble up and I didn't know what to do. So I just kept going back to alcohol when I could, because thinking it was going to give me that same release it did initially like basically going back to the source of the pain, thinking it was going to solve the pain um, and hating myself. Like I just, I had these beautiful children and I loved them so much. And I thought like, I was angry at God at the time. So I'm like, why would you give me these kids? I'm not meant to be a mother. I'm a mess. Like, why would you do this to me? And I mean, I would just, I couldn't look at myself in the mirror and I'm just sip, like I'm sinking into this just dark, desolate place. I would, like at the time, so I'm still, everyone thinks I'm a nurse at this point. Cause I told them I had graduated nursing school. I have a job as a nurse. Yeah. I mean, I was, I lived in some pretty dark spaces. Um, and I would lie and say I had business trips. So I'd be like, Oh, I have to go here. And really what it was is I'd go always lying to myself. Like, I think that's why addicts are really good liars is because we believe our own lies. So we're very convincing. Yes. Um, <laughs> And I'd go thinking like, I'm going to solve, I'm going to solve this this time. Cause I'm getting us in a financial mess because my husband thinks I'm working. So we're spending money. Like we have two incomes wow. and I'm lying, keeping him out of our accounts. So he doesn't know what's going on because he's choosing to trust me. Um, but I'd go and I'm like, all right, I'm going to figure out how I'm going to get us out of this hole. And it, it never worked. I ended up like, basically they were like binge drinking trips. Um, like I put these rules around it. So I didn't feel guilty about what I was doing, but that's essentially what I would do is just run off drink, come back home, try and like muddle through until the next time I could get away and do it again. It, I think it was around, um, March of 2020. So like COVID's coming, I am in probably the darkest space that I've ever been in my life. Like I'm wanting to die every morning. I'm waking up and just praying for God to just take me out, just take me out. Um, and I made the choice to lie and tell my husband I had COVID and during that time decided to lie and say that I had cancer. 
So I upped it. And I think what I was trying to do was back myself into a corner. So I would end up taking my own life. So I'm convincing my family, my, my family of origin, everyone around me that I'm dying. I, I tell everyone that I have terminal illness, I'm going out. Um, and I think it was only through the grace of God that eventually, I want to say it was in August or September, my husband finally pushed back, like started questioning. Because of course he couldn't come to appointments with me. I'm saying I'm going to appointments to get, you know, treatment and stuff. And it was COVID. So no one can go in the hospital with you. Eventually he pushed back and he was like, I, I don't believe you, you know, and like started to push into things and it all fell apart. And I really think it was because if it had gone on much longer, I was, I, I think I was going to take myself out. Like, I think that's what I was doing was trying to back myself into a position where I had no other choice. Um, and so everything just kind of exploded. I did not come out of this. Like, I wish I could say that I I just relented and told all the truth, but I didn't. I went kicking and screaming. Um, and shortly thereafter, I got into an IOP, started, like, I got dry. And I call it dry because I was not sober. Right. I just was not drinking. Um, and, of course, they're really big on AA. So start going into AA meetings. And I think for a period of maybe like a month or two started to get a little hope that things could be different. Now with the way things unfolded, because I had been telling everyone I was dying, we'd had people do like a meal train, donate money. So we're having to give all this stuff back. And there's like, the steps are in order for a reason. Like I had to basically do um, a ninth step before I ever did a step one and having to go to people and say like, here's what I've been doing. Here's the truth of who I am before I like had any time under my belt. And I think it just made a big hole for shame to come in um, because I was not ready to face the realities of like some people, like my family, my family of origin did not know what to do with me. Like they were like, how do we ever trust you again? We don't even know who you are. Understandably so. Um, but I just wasn't in a place to be able to like kind of take that and to, to feel like I was abandoned in my time of like greatest need was devastating. Um, and unfortunately in AA, like it's all online at this point. So I found guys that wanted to give me attention and I, I had affairs that like, and even though I might not have seen them in person, didn't matter. Like, and I just continued to run. Um, and it wasn't until I think it, that went on for a few months. And then I ended up calling my husband because I told him I was going to leave. I was like, I want a divorce. I'm leaving you. I'm done. Um, and again, <laughs> like God just kept coming up and like, not like saving me from myself essentially. Cause my husband's like, come home, let's talk. Um, and we did, and we're still together only by the grace of God. Cause it has been a mess to get where we are. Um, and I, was able to meet with the woman who's now like, she's my counselor, mentor, grandma, mom, like she's everything. She's just amazing. Who has really just helped me to start to learn how to make sense of my story to like work through my own shame. And she's in recovery too. She's been sober for 43 years now, I believe, um, and was living a real life. And I think it was the first time that I saw someone truly living like out of a space of, she had lived kind of a crazy life in addiction and look at me and be like, okay, like, tell me something I don't know. And like, you have potential. Like she loved me where I was and has just kind of been a safe space for me to go and, and be brutally honest. And she's brutally honest with me, but like, love me enough to kind of like walk with me as I was getting better and like hold space. 
and hold a safe space. So, um, I mean, I think it's just, it's been a lot of work. And I think for me trying to work out my relationship with God and who God really is, because I had this sense of like, so God loved you and he could do things for you, but he could not do them for me. I was too far gone. And it's been a long time to get to a place of realizing like, no, it's like where he works his best is giving hope to the hopeless and breathing life into those who are dead. And like, I finally had to get to a place of accepting, like I'm dead, Lord, please like bring some life back into me. And it's just, it's, I mean, it's been painful. Like it's not fun working through this stuff, but it's so worthwhile. And like, I get my family, I get to be the mom my kids need. And at this point, it's now realizing like, I will share the ugliness of my story. If it can help one person realize that there is hope for them. Like if I can get turned around like my life from the mess that it was to get to a place of actually living a life, like there is hope for anyone else out there. And that's kind of what I'm hoping to do with sharing my story. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> I'm over, I'm a little overwhelmed. I mean, I kind of felt, and I mean, I sensed that I would feel this way talking to you, but um, oh my goodness. So you said a lot uh, and there's a lot of things I want to say. Um, but I want to ask just real quick though, to clarify something. Um, so when you were telling them that you, your family, that mm -hmm. you, that you were sick and that you were dying, did this include your children? Did they yeah. think that? Okay. They and how, too. about how old were they? Um, gosh, so like, I want to say maybe seven, five and like two. Uh huh. I mean, oh. yeah. Oh, your story just gets to me. Oh, it gets to me. Cause I mean, it makes me think for one, when you said, if I could, sh I'll share the ugly parts of my story. If it'll help someone else it gets me because <clears throat> as you know, like I have a story too, but I haven't yet shared my ugly parts. Um, I mean, for one, I've got kids that are in high school and their social media. So I want to make sure that you know, no one bullies them, but God's really calling me and telling me that it's going to, it's going to come soon. And I feel like that he's really using you. Like, I feel like, I feel like him, like all over me right now, just listening to you. Um, and I can't imagine the pain, you know, I mean, I can though, because we all do that. Like you say, we lie to ourselves and people don't understand. They don't understand though. Okay. The lying to your husband, the I lied to my husband constantly, constantly. And, and for a lot of the times he didn't question me. He trusted me. He's a great man. And, 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 and in reality, I took advantage of that. I manipulated that. Um, and, but it's, that's never our intention. That's not like we don't set out and say, you know, I'm going to marry this great guy and have these wonderful kids. And then I'm just going to just I'll say a better word. I'm just going to crap all over them. I'm just going to just, yeah. I'm just going to live this reckless life and just essentially just on these people, <laughs> um, you know, and take advantage of what the Lord has blessed me with. I think that's what I'll do with my life. Uh, you know, we end up, you know, like you said, we start, we start off somehow damaged or missing something. You know, I don't know. Everybody says that, like you say, maybe it wasn't, I think it is partly inherited. I think that it's also environmental because when we have abuse or abandonment or, you know, any kind of, they say a lot of just everyone has a God hole. 
um, that needs to be filled. And when it, and, and we are predispositioned by generational curses or, um, genetics environment to, you know, people like us are predispositioned to fill that hole with substances. And then we end up enslaved to it. Um, what we were using to medicate ourselves became a poison. And then, like you say, we lie to others. We lie to ourselves. Um, the, the, you running off and leaving. That was my MO. I ran off all the time. Um, sometimes, you know, it was like you say, I guess rarely really did I ever run off with a plan to make things better. <laughs> I just ran off fight or flight. And I would fly. I would just go and, leave my husband and kids for several days at a time and you know no telling if I was in a, some trap house some just ugh, awful dwelling with these whatever kind of people when I and I didn't have any food and lose my shoes and walking around just strung out for days and trying to get my next fix when I got a husband and kids and a home and food ah it's just it's it's in, it's insanity it's insanity but we do we end up hating ourselves and I think um you know, I tried to, I tried to destroy myself, you know, in I guess the long way, you know, I just tried to, you know, and I, I, I did the, I, I cheated as well. And, and it's, that's my family knows that's something that we've been open about. And we've been married though for 22 years. So, you know, there is hope and you're bringing hope to people. Um, but yeah, I just want you to know, I really resonate with what you say. I encourage you to keep going. I think, um, that, you know, God's hand is on you. I think you have an incredible story. I think you're incredibly brave, um, to, you know, I was thinking yesterday when it comes to like telling my story and, um, I was thinking about the ugly parts and how hard it is to talk about the ugly parts. And I think I felt like God said, I hate to say God said, cause I don't know, it's him, me, whatever, you know, but, um, I felt that someone said, that's where the bigger or the stronger anointing is to break yokes, to set people free is in those ugly parts. That's where you're going to see chains broken. And I'm like, oh, dear God. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, so, yeah, I, I'm just really, I don't, you know, I'm proud of you. I think I just, I'm really, I really am proud of you. Um, So let us know, though, how did you get so you went to the ILP and for, okay, let me clarify for those um, that don't know, everybody knows what AA is. Um, but the ninth step is um, I'm good at all the steps, but it's, 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 it's making amends, right? It's yes, your amends. Yes. All right. Okay. Cause the, the fourth, the, you got the fourth step and the fifth step. Okay. And then the ninth step is where you make amends. Um, but like she said, there's, there's eight more steps before that. But, um, and then IOP is intensive outpatient program. And that's like where people go, um, and it's like an alternative to a rehab. You could, you spend so much time every day for so many weeks. I went to one for like five weeks one time and then went to one for like three weeks one time. So, and they usually use the, the 12 steps, but so did that do it for you? Um, when you got out of IOP, I mean, I know you said there was a lot of hard work and sounds like you met someone, um, similar to the, a person, I have a person, um, that disciples me and that I can go to, I mean, what do you want to call it? A, a pastor, counselor, a sponsor, however you want to say it. Um, but that's great that you have that person in your life. That's, that's essential. But so did the, was it just the IOP, um, 
and AA and you getting out and having a, a relationship with God or how did you get, I guess, let's go back and say, how did you get from the, the feelings that you had toward, toward God about your situation? How did you iron that out? How did you navigate that? Um, so that came more from my work with my counselor. Like IOP was fantastic at helping me to stop drinking, like normalizing just some of the stuff, like the changes that were going on in my brain. Cause I think, um, I think there are a lot of misconceptions around like alcoholics have to be like, you must be drinking every day and you're like slugging out of brown bags. And no, like sometimes it's the mommy wine culture. It's the fact that like mommy needs a drink, like, and normalizing that in a time where you're really lonely and it's why you're drinking. Like for me, anytime I had emotions, I didn't know what to do with, I wanted to drink. And so it was like how to learn to sit through those difficult emotions. Um, and then when it came to doing some of the work on my relationship with God, like that, I went through um, a retreat that my counselor hosts and it's all about learning who you are and God, who God says you are and who God is. And that, I mean, it's, it's been a lot of wrestling and like realizing that I could go to God and be angry um, because I, I think like I had a lot of bad beliefs around who God was and how I was allowed to interact with God, um, especially considering like what my past had looked like. I'm like, I have no reason. I can't be mad at God. Like, look at what he's rescuing me from. Like, how can I be mad with him? But being able to just be honest, like, I think one of the biggest lessons I've had to learn here is like, it, it's about honesty, brutal honesty. Um, I've spent so much of my life living in lies and living in a false reality that it's like learning how to speak the truth. And sometimes it would be as simple as saying something out loud. And I'm like, well, that's ridiculous. Like, why would I think that? But in my head, it makes perfect sense. Um, so <laughs> like just learning how to open my mouth was a big part of it too. Like being able to talk to whether it was my counselor or um, when I went through my retreat, it happened to be all women, which was, I mean, just God's blessing and being able to speak it out loud with them and like hearing other people normalize it too. Like I mm -hmm. think part of the the beauty in telling our stories is getting to look around at other people and they're like, like me too, you know, and knowing yes. you're not alone in it. Yes. Amen. I mean, this is an this is an NA saying, but it, I think in the NA book it says, which is Narcotics Anonymous, but it says the therapeutic value of one addict helping another is without parallel, which basically means like there's nothing like somebody else that's been there and gets it. You know, we have it's there's something about relating to someone, you know, that you can't um, compare that. So. Um, I don't know. I think you got, I think like I said, I think you got an incredible story. I thank God for what he did in your life. Um, I thank God that you're being brave enough to share it. Um, and I'm glad that, you know, you work things out. I think what I had some issues with God when, I mean, I felt the same way. I got angry because um, I'm like, well, it's your fault that I'm in this place. It's your fault. I was born in that family, in that place, in that time, in that home, in that town. Right. I mean, I mean, I didn't ask myself to be born. <laughs> So, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I didn't ask myself to be dealt these cards and have this lineage, right? So, and, 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 and this is why, you know, this trauma and this happened and this is why I did this and did that. So why did you let that happen? You know, um, but yeah, but you know, we, I, we worked it out the Lord and I, thank God, <laughs> but yeah. uh, you know, so um, I think I wanted to share just real quick before we close, we're almost done, but oh, for one, everybody listening please um go to her i will post 
all of her socials. You're on, you've got a website, radiantredemption.com. You're on TikTok. I'm, I'll make sure to follow you. I'm on there as, as well. <laughs> um, radiant underscore redemption. And then she's on Instagram, radiant underscore redemption, Facebook. Uh, she has a Facebook page, um, facebook.com slash radiant redemption. Y'all please go and like and follow her Facebook page and her other socials if you're on those networks. Um, but real quickly, I just wanted to read you uh, the one of your scriptures that you gave me on your form was Romans 5, 3 through 5. And I just wanted to read that. It says, um, and I, th I think this is very fitting. Um, and not only so, but with glory and tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh, worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope. Thank God we have hope in the Lord. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God mm. is shed abroad, shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. And I mean, I, that's, that's you. I see that in you. <laughs> then it's beautiful. I think you're beautiful. I think this, you, you know, every, the spirit around you is beautiful. I think God's doing wonderful things in your life. And it was great having you on. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with us. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And I just want to add real quick, like I think when you work through that anger, it's realizing that you now can hold space for other women and other people who are recovering. And like, that's the beauty of like some of the places I've been to. It's like, you can't do anything that's going to make me flinch. Like I can hold your, I can hold space for your trauma and your story. And like, that's, that's a beautiful gift, I think. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And so, I mean, is that's what I'm that's why I'm doing what I'm doing it's like I want to I was I, I told God I want to go all the way with God and you know um I have to ha I have to live in I want to say my purpose but I mean his purpose for me which is to make sure that he can make to give myself to him so that he can make meaning out of that mess Lord don't let all of that crud be a waste don't let me be 47 years old and be like, wow, I've ruined the whole first half of my life. That cool. I don't want to live with that chip on my shoulder. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, the Lord set me free, but for what? So that I can um, so that I can give my life, you know, and let him make meaning of this mess and you know, live his purpose and tell, like you said, we just have to tell our stories. There has to be a reason for it, right? So let's share it with others so that others can find hope, meaning, purpose, truth, love, light, freedom in Jesus Christ, freedom so that they could be set free from bondage. And then so that they can walk in their purpose because, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. You know, uh, he has a plan for all of us. We're all his children. And he doesn't, you know, he, he, he cut, you know, the devil comes to steal, kill and destroy, you know, and that's what he wanted to do to you that it, he wanted to back you into that corner. That's what he wanted to do. And that would have destroyed your husband and your children mentally, emotionally. Right. That's what his, that's his goal with me was his goal with me. I'm going to take her out and that whole family. I have seven kids. That's me, seven, my husband, that's nine people. That's nine people. I just take out just like that. But the, Jesus said, I have come that they would have life and have it more abundantly. So have life that's salvation. That's freedom from the chains of bondage and addiction and having it more abundantly. That's living out your purpose, God's purpose for your life. So thank God. Yes. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> God is God is good. God is great. I thank him for his mercy and his grace. And I thank you for coming on today. Y'all be blessed in Jesus name until next time. Um, all right. Bye-bye. <laughs>